A wise man builds his life on Jesus' instructions, like a house built on a solid foundation. By tuning in today, you are pouring into your life. This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. We have been working through the book of Revelation. We're going to take that and set that aside for just a week because sometimes situations come up, questions come up, and you need to deal with that. You need to address that. And so if you came here looking forward to figuring out what the four horsemen of the apocalypse were about, we're going to do that next Sunday and pray they don't come this week. So then, <laughs> oh, if you would have taught us, then we could have dealt with this. <laughs> but actually what I want to do is teach you how to deal with it today. My dad was a lifeguard. My mom was a lifeguard. And so when I was about to turn 16 and it was time to have a summer job, it was a natural expectation that I would become a lifeguard. And so I took the classes and went through the certification process so that I could be a lifeguard. And eventually, I was a teacher of lifeguards. And that whole certification is about teaching you how to respond in deadly, dangerous situations where someone is drowning, when someone is distressed. When I was going through the program, we didn't have all the fancy rescue tubes and swimming torpedoes. It was you, the water, and someone about to drown. And if you don't know how to respond, there's not one victim. There's going to be two. And so we learned about all the releases and the parries and the blocks. We learned how to swim around and how to get a hold of someone, how to bring them to safety. We learned how to respond to someone who is in need. Can you imagine your feeling if you were walking by some water and you looked out there and you noticed that someone was drowning and you couldn't swim and they were so far away you couldn't get something to them to help them? Wouldn't you feel rather helpless watching them succumb to their challenges? We might look around today and feel the same way. We look around at our culture and we look around at our time. We look at our family and we look at our marriage. We look at our own personal life, our walk with Jesus, and it is like drowning. Drowning in emotion, drowning in reality, drowning in the spiritual way, drowning in sin. And we're like, I don't know how to respond. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get through this. God provided a way for his people to get through this. God provided a way for us to respond when it seems like we're drowning. The answer is fasting. And you're like, really thought you were joking. I was really hoping we weren't going to talk about that whole fasting thing. Well, just, hold on a second. For thousands of years, God's people have responded to serious situations by fasting. Every global world religion has fasting as a part of it. Think about that. The Old Testament, full of examples of people fasting. The Jesus fasted. His disciples fasted. Fasting is a part of what God's people do. And so if you show up to me like, I don't know anything about fasting. Awesome. This is great. Because I can guarantee you, someone around you, 
is drowning. Maybe you are drowning. Or you look at our culture and our time and you say, we're drowning. God wants to give you the means to change the world. I'm not talking about intermittent fasting so that you can lose weight. I'm not talking about all those cultural this and cultural that. I thought today we'd learn how to change the world. Shall we? All right. So take out what is in your notes that we're calling a fasting guide. It's printed on a little bit heavier paper. And we designed it in a way so that it could be a resource for you to keep with you as you grow in this discipline. So when you go through seasons or moments of fasting, you can come back and reference the theology. And it even has a step-by-step guide on the back. So you understand how to move through fasting in a biblical way. Why is there such a disconnect with fasting? For many of us in the tradition that we grew up in. In his book on fasting, Scott McKnight says, uh, some of it might have to do with how we look at the body. That there's a disconnect with how we think of the human body. For some of us, it's a monster that needs to be conquered. You got to conquer your body. You got to beat it into submission. You have to tolerate it. You got to punish it. You got to rein it in. That there's great animosity between you and your body. For others, it's not a monster. It's a celebrity to glorify. Check out my body. Think of the selfie culture. Look at my body. Look at my face. Look at my new outfit. Look at me. Look at the outside. Let me glorify this body. For others, it's a cornucopia to fill, to make feel good, to satisfy. If it makes my body feel good, I will do it. I will pursue it. But for others, it's just a wallflower to tolerate. It's just a vessel. I got to put up with it. And for some of us, not maybe putting up with it as well as I should have. What do we do? Because the truth is that God created the body. God cares about the body. And the two are connected. What happens to my body affects my spirit. And what's going on in my spirit will play itself out in my body. Show of hands, how many of you value the fellowship of the saints, you value prayer, you value study of God's word, you value those things? Raise your hand. How many of you, your body has gotten in the way of that at times? Right? Right? Oh, I know that I should be, and I know that I should be, but, oh, it's just so warm and cozy in my bed. I know, I've been there many times, all the time. In fact, there's a moment every morning where that call goes off. My phone tells me that I've made a commitment to walk in discipline with my Savior. And I'm like, yeah, but sleep is biblical too, right? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) We're not talking about that today. But we are saying is that there's a connection between the two. And what we want to do and learn to do through fasting is to align our body with what's going on in our spirit. Okay? So take out your fasting guide and let's fill some of these things in together. Fasting is, here's a working definition, a natural whole body response to life moments. It is a natural 
whole body response to life moments. Write that down in that top box. What do I mean by saying it's natural? Because you're like, eh, it's, not, it's not natural. Not eating is not natural. How many of you have been so sad that you didn't eat? Have been so sad once that you didn't eat? Did you think about it? Did you make a conscious decision? I'm so sad I'm not going to eat. No. It was the natural response of your body. Whereas you went through the course of something had happened, something serious, something momentous, something sacred. And you went a day, you went two days, you went three days. And you look back and you say, I haven't eaten. I haven't eaten. Because it's a natural thing for the body to align itself with what the Spirit's going through. Whole body response to. We don't fast to get something. Fasting is a response to something. It's not a magic potion. It's not a, an incantation by which God only has so many prayers that he can answer at once and he's kind of going through the profiles and he finds the one, oh, Paul, he didn't eat the donut today. I'll answer his prayers. Oh, you only ate half your Big Mac. I'll answer your prayers today. Fasting is not a holy incantation by which we get something. Fasting is what we're going to see, a response to something. To a life moment. What, so what's a life moment? And it's not so much something you're going to get a fill in the back, but there's space to write something down. Maybe it'll jog your memory. Something like an awareness of sin. Write that down. I become aware of sin in my own life. Or in my culture, in my society. We'll see a couple examples of that. I become so grieved by, aware and convicted to, Habits and addictions that it wrecks my spirit and I respond with fasting. Maybe death. Someone has died. Something has died and so I fast. That's a life moment. I'm aware of an injustice in the world. Maybe it's the absence of God or the presence of God. We're going to see someone in a little bit who is so overwhelmed by God's presence in their life, it wrecks them so much, they respond with fasting. These are life moments. Maybe you can think of others, but let's, let's look at some examples. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, in 1 Samuel chapter 7, Israel, as you can imagine, has not been doing very well as far as walking with God and in covenant relationship. They have given themselves over to lots of forms of idolatry, of unfaithfulness. And Samuel, who is their judge and prophet and priest, is working to walk alongside of them and leads them in response. This is what he says. This is 1 Samuel chapter 7. I'm going to start reading in verse 5 and verse 6. Then Samuel said, Gather all Israel at Mizpah. Mizpah is a central city. And I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water, poured it out before the Lord, and fasted on that day, and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. 
They are overcome. They're overwhelmed. They are saddened by their lack of faith before God. And part of their response is to fast for the day. And if you look at the biblical narrative, when you think of fasting, okay, biblically, fasting means to not eat from sun up to sundown. It's about 12 hours. You drink water, you don't eat food. Okay? It's to not eat food. I know that there are health concerns for some, then you have to make those concessions. But when the Bible talks about fasting, well, what about TV? Can I not watch TV? Yeah, that means to not watch TV. It's just not fasting. Okay? To fast means to not eat food. That's what that is. Well, what if I don't watch, you know, C-SPAN? That's fine. That's not watching C-SPAN. It's not fasting. Fasting, biblical fasting means to not eat food. Because it has to do with what the body is doing, how the body is going to respond. And so here, Israel is overcome by its grief and it participates in a fast for a day. Yes, there are those who have fasted for 40 days. And those are special situations. The typical fast is from sunup to sundown. Let me show you another example in Ezra. Ezra chapter 10. Ezra was a scribe that was helping Israel come back after being led into exile, helping them reform spiritually. And as you can imagine, Israel was unfaithful. Specifically, the leadership had married those outside of the culture, had compromised their holiness. They come and tell Ezra about this. They out themselves. And Ezra is cut to the quick that there's been a lack of faithfulness. And so this is how Ezra responds. This is Ezra chapter 10, verse 6. Ezra withdrew from before the house of God and went to the chamber of Jehoiannin, the son of Elishab, where he spent the night neither eating bread nor drinking water. For he was mourning over the faithlessness of the exiles. He sees their lack of faith. He responds with fasting because fasting is a response. Or maybe someone that you're a little bit more familiar with, the Apostle Paul in Acts 9, verse 9. This is his literal come to Jesus moment. He has been released from Jerusalem to go up to Damascus to hunt down Christians. He has actual papers to bring them in. And on the road, God literally knocks him off of his horse and knocks him on his butt. Jesus confronts him confronts the error of his ways, confronts his thinking, confronts his mistakes. God has become very present to Paul. Blinds him. His friends bring him to Damascus. This is Paul's response, being overwhelmed by the presence of God, Acts 9, verse 9. And for three days, he's without sight. He neither ate nor drank responding to this life moment. It's natural to align the body with the spirit. So let's break this down a little bit more. Okay, let's break this down a little bit more so that we can kind of do something with it. So uh, towards the, the middle of your fasting guide, let me give you some key reminders that you can keep coming back to when we have times and seasons of fasting to help us remember. One of the things I need to remember when I fast, it's from and for an awareness of God's feelings. It's out of an awareness of God's feelings.
it can be very life-altering and wrecking in a good way to wrestle with the fact that your actions affect God's feelings. God lets himself be affected by me. Very beginning of the story in Genesis. The time of the flood, Jesus had looked down and he saw the hearts of us. He saw the actions of us, the disobedience of us. Deceitful all the time. Disobedient all the time. And it says he grieved over the fact that he made us. Grief. Grief. We only really use the word grief at one time, right? It's when something or someone has died. I'm grieving. I'm in that season of grieving because I've lost a loved one. In fact, the greater the love, the greater the emotion. The greater the love, the greater the emotion. God looked at the choices that we were making and it ripped him to the core. Paul picks this up in the New Testament. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not sadden the Holy Spirit. Don't overwhelm the Holy Spirit. An emotional sadness. And so I fast in response to those moments where I become aware of God's feelings, how God feels about something, about someone, about my sin, about injustice, about our culture, about our family, about our church. I become sensitive to that. And we fast. A key chapter in the theology of fasting is in Isaiah 58. Would you guys find that with me? Isaiah 58. It's a contrast back and forth between our habit of fasting for our own personal means and the way that God advocates for fasting. Isaiah 58. Uh, the easiest way to find Isaiah is just open the book to the middle. And normally you get pretty close to Isaiah. Israel was fasting for their own purpose. For their own means, for their own end. And so here's a dialogue back and forth between their actions and thoughts and God's actions and God's thoughts. I'm going to start reading in Isaiah 58, verse 3. This is the words of, Isaiah, uh, the words of Israel, the nation that are crying out. Hey, why have we fasted and, and you see it not, God? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Hey, God, we fasted. How come we're not really getting anything out of it? This is the divine response. Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasures and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? They were not aware, mindful of concern about God's feelings in the matter. He goes on to say in verse 6, Is this not the fast that I choose? And then he unpacks that. We need to become more aware of God's feelings and God's presence. And when we are, like Ezra was, Ezra was gripped. The response is to fast. 
Do you remember the first time that you saw a parent cry? Do you remember thinking of when you saw your mom cry or your dad cry? It kind of messes you up a little bit, doesn't it? Because you have this understanding of your parent and that they're kind of devoid of emotion, let alone any helpful ones. I mean, granted, there's some emotions that you wish they didn't have. But to see them gripped to the point of tears, that, that gets you, right? I remember I was with my dad and he was grieving over the loss of a childhood friend. It's the first time I really saw my dad weep, weep. And it affected me. As it should affect me. We need to learn to be affected by the things that affect God. That made him sad. That made him grieve. My actions made him grieve. I need to remember that there's an awareness for God's feelings. Also, I need to remember that I fast to align my body with my prayer. To align my body with my prayer. Would you write that down in your guide? That second line. First, there's an awareness. I'm going to align my body with my prayer. In Psalm 35, David had this to say. He said, I afflicted my body with fasting. I prayed with my head bowed down to my chest. He links them. He puts them together. I afflicted my body with fasting. I bowed my head in prayer to my chest. They go together. We fast so that we can give ourselves over to more prayer. We accompany prayer and fasting together. John Calvin said this. Praying great matters, appoint fasting. In quotes, he says, with a full stomach, our mind is not so lifted up to God. With a full stomach, our mind is not so lifted up to God. Just to put it boots on the ground. What do you do on Thanksgiving afternoon with a full stomach? Yeah. Kind of proud of it too, aren't we? Like, I don't know about you, but I'm just going to go uh, put my feet up into the little snooze snooze. I'm going to sleep a little bit because that's what I do after I fill my belly. That is what we do. And what's the effect? We feed the body and what's the body do? It numbs itself out, doesn't it? That's what our culture does. And some of us have leveraged that reality and choose to leverage that reality. When my spirit is sad, I have learned that I can make myself feel better by numbing my body. I'll have a little prayer meeting with Pastor Ben and Jerry. And they'll, they'll make me feel better. Deacon Jim Bean, Pastor Jack Daniels, make my body feel better, won't they? The cultural response is, when my spirit is grieved, I numb my body. I pacify my body. The biblical response, when my spirit is grieved, I bring my body into the pain. And I weep with it. I let my body ache too. Because I am a holistic being. My body and my spirit are together. And so, part of fasting is aligning my body with my prayers. 
Awareness of God to align. Thirdly, as an act for others. I act for others when I fast. It goes beyond me. As you're writing that down, let me take you back to Isaiah 58, verses 6 and 7. This is, again, the fast that God looks for. Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked, to cover him? I love this part. And not hide yourself from your own flesh, your own kin. To be grieved when humanity is breaking and broken. Where there is addiction and injustice and hardship and poor. All the signs that we're waiting for Jesus to come back. Where I see these things in acting for them, I fast. I fast. I say, this is wrong. This is wrong. And I don't just say it with my words. I say it with my body. Now, we'll ask each other to pray for each other, won't we? Hey, will you pray for me? Will you pray for me? You'll send me a text. Hey, pastor, will you pray for this? Absolutely. The biblical response, though, isn't just to pray, but it's also to fast. I will pray and I will fast for you. Think about that one. As an act for you. An act for others. But there's one more aspect in your notes. To anticipate Jesus' kingdom. You need to remember that one of the reasons I fast, I fast to anticipate Jesus' kingdom. There's a hope component to it. I'm responding to the absence of my king, that this world is really broken. It's grieving. It's in labor pains. <laughs> Pregnant girl looked up. <laughs> in Luke chapter 5, the Pharisees approached Jesus and his disciples. Hey, why don't your boys fast? We fast. Pharisees fast. John and his followers, they fast. How come your guys don't fast? And Jesus says, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. When the bridegroom is taken from them, then they will fast. We fast to recognize and in response to a world hungering and waiting for Jesus' return. So yes, there are times where we go enter into a spontaneous fast. Something has gripped us. Something has grieved us. We have noticed something. But there's also seasonal fasts where we set aside time, recognizing that Jesus hasn't come back yet. For thousands of years, on the church calendar, there have been set aside seasons for fasting. Lent, a season for fasting. Eastern church, really good at this. Catholic church, really good at this. Protestants, eh, not so good. Not so good. What are we known for? Potluck. That's what we do. That's what we do. Two-thirds of the Christian church knows how to hunger the body. Our third, we feed it. 
And that's our loss, isn't it? That's our loss. The Methodist movement that John Wesley started back in England. And those of you who are familiar with your Methodist history, those of you who've grown up in a Methodist tradition, he appointed fasts on Wednesdays and Fridays. Intentional time set aside for fasting. I am inviting us. I am calling to us as a fellowship. Let's set aside Wednesday in our season as a time for fasting. Where corporately we recognize we are becoming more aware of how God feels about things. And we are going to align our body with what our spirit senses and an act for others to anticipate Jesus' return. On Wednesdays, we decide that together we're going to fast. My invitation to us. Knowing that we long for Jesus' return. What are the results? I mean, Paul, if, you, if I'm going to give up food for you, I want to know what I'm going to get out of it. Right? I mean, hook me up, man. I mean, this has got to be good. I mean, I, I found out that I, I'd, I'd messed up the finance team. They were going to get together and go over the budget on Wednesday, and they were going to do it over at Lincoln Square, and now they had to change everything because Pastor Paul appointed fasting, and you can't... You know, go over finances at a restaurant and eat when everyone else is fasting. There's something wrong there. Yeah, this is going to mess us up a little bit. So what am I going to get out of it? Ready? Write this down. You ready? Bar very bottom of your notes. This is what you want to know. Possible results. Nothing. Write it down. Nothing. Tough sell, Paul. Tough sell. I want to get something. We don't fast to get. We fast to respond. That's not to say that there won't be other things, but let's remember, this is a response to something. Now, you might find increased intimacy with God. Absolutely. Absolutely. As I become more aware of God's feelings, yeah, there's an increased intimacy there. I might see a shift in the challenges of justice. I might find freedom in my own personal life when it comes to sins that have grabbed a hold of me for years. I might become more aware of God's presence, as we sang earlier. Yeah, all those things are possible results. Listen to what God says. Again, back to that chapter uh, on Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58, let me read to you. Starting in verse 9, Isaiah 58, verse 9, when he talks about fasting as God has called for fasting, then he says, you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desires of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness. And your gloom be as noonday. John Piper said, fasting is to hunger with our bodies, not just hunger with our hearts. We need to hunger more for God. Hunger more for God.
to help us. And I know that for some of us, this is completely freaky, foreign cult stuff. Because this is the age of grace. On the back of your notes, uh, I, I tried to articulate some basic steps. If you're very new to the idea of fasting, that could help you move through a time of fasting. Let's just say, hey, this coming Wednesday, give it a shot. Let's just give it a shot. Okay, just roll the dice. We're going to identify that time. Okay, so from sun up to sundown, do me a favor. Don't wake up before the sun. Be like, I got to get my donut in because as soon as the sun comes up, I got to fast. You're kind of missing the whole point. You're missing the whole point. Okay, I, I remember because I like this gathering more than the nine o'clock gathering. You guys are my favorite, but you're not going to tell them that. Uh, I, we had a, a corporate fast growing up as a church, and we were all going to go out to eat afterwards. And I remember people with looking at their watches until the designated time that the sun went down. The fork was here. The clock was here. This is the opposite of fasting before the Lord. Okay? Just don't. If, if you have to have the nacho here as you're ticking down the seconds here, you got some problems. All right? You with me? Let's set aside. You guys okay? <laughs> so let's say, hey, Wednesday. Now, what's the life moment that you're going to respond to? Have that in front of you. God, I, I'm, uh, I'm grieved by this. God, I'm saddened by this. I'm recognizing this serious moment. You're going to have that in front of you. Have that with you. The, you're fasting in response to this. It's not just fasting for the sake of fasting. Okay? And I've given you, you know, four options there to work through. Okay? And then in place of breakfast or lunch or whatever it might be, find a space that is solitary, that's silent, that you can enter into a time of silence. Take two or three minutes. Just don't do anything. Just be silent and recognize God's presence. And ask that God would help you see this thing from his perspective. God, I... I I want to see this the way you see it. Use the Lord's Prayer. Pray through that a few times. Your kingdom come, your will be done here as it is in heaven. Say that again and again and again. If you need uh, more scripture, Psalm 77 is a great psalm to accompany seasons of fasting. It is about crying out unto the Lord. And then, you know, when it's time, spend a couple more minutes in silence. You're just listening to what God is saying to you. You're being mindful of his presence. Can you feel the time? Yeah, it's like lunchtime, Paul. Can you feel the time? I was meeting with a, a spiritual mother, a, a guide, an encourager this last week, and we, were both, we both said the same thing. We feel the time more now than we ever have. Amen. 20 years of pastoral ministry. Right now, this feels different. 2020 has accelerated something. It's heightened something. And so it is right to fast. To shine bright. That's why we're here. I'm not here to get a bus ticket punched. 
We're here to change the world. One of the great doctors of the faith, his name was Basil, Basil the Great, called the revealer of divine things in the church. Lived in the 300s, had this to say about fasting. Fasting gives birth to prophets. She strengthens the powerful. Fasting makes lawmakers wise. She is a safeguard of a soul, a stabilizing companion to the body, a weapon for the brave, a discipline for champions. Fasting knocks over temptations. It anoints for godliness. She is a companion for sobriety, the crafter of a sound mind. In war, she fights bravely. In peace, she teaches tranquility. She sanctifies the Nazarite. She perfects the priest. Jesus said there are two ways to build your life. A wise man builds his life on God's instructions, like a house on a strong foundation. For more teaching from this ministry, go to whoishouseontherock.com. If you don't have a church, please consider being our guest on a Sunday morning. Again, visit whoishouseontherock.com for more information.